Hi, you guys. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you guys, my wonderful patrons. I love you so much. I love you all, and I love all your faces, and I just want to hug each and every one of you. But we can't because, you know, it's, it's coronavirus time, and also I don't live near any of you. So, yeah. Anyway, I love you all, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank Billy, Heather, Lynn, Patrick, Brian, Alex, and Kate. You guys are mean the world to me. You guys are the best. I'm making my chair squeak because I'm so excited about you guys. And I love you forever and always, and thank you for supporting me. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. Oh, this is so boring. What else is on? Hi everyone, welcome to Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, a Patreon-exclusive podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. I'm Hope Malinax, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch all my favorite animated shows. In this episode, when someone tampers with Mabel's life-size wax statue, she and Dipper set out to find the culprit. Meanwhile, Grunkle Stan mourns over the loss of his wax doppelganger. We're talking about Gravity Falls Headhunters this week. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. <laughs> I had I, my best friend had a baby today, so I'm just like, yeah, baby. So actually, I got the first picture about 15 minutes before we started, so I made Chris wait because I was crying over pictures. <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry. I'm just really excited. I, I'm I'm a little bummed too because like we had originally planned like after like they had the baby and stuff, I would go up there, but of course we're in Corona world, so. <laughs> I don't know when I'll be able to actually go up and see them because they live like two states away from me. But other than that, I'm having a really, really, really great day. Not that that's a bad thing, but other than that, that is part of the reason why I'm having a really, really, really great day. How are you doing, Chris? So far, so good. What'd you do today? Ah, not a lot, of, a hell of a lot. I've been uh, podcast editing. I took out the garbage. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, I, I kind of feel you. I was doing video editing. Just to date this episode, I did a video commentary of the first episode of the Siege of Mandalore from Clone Wars. So that was a lot of fun because it's been a been a real hot minute since I was vi- I video edited like eight years a hot minute <laughs> since I video edited anything. So I had to kind of relearn how to video edit. So all right, you want to talk some Gravity Falls? Uh, sure, that's what we're here for, right? <laughs> yeah. So what do you think of Headhunters? It was good. It was maybe my least favorite of the first three episodes so far. This is one of my least favorite episodes of the entire series. But that's oh, not okay. like, that's not a bad thing. It's just like the the first two come kind of come out with a bang. This one's kind of like treading water, and then the next episode is when like the show really starts taking off. So this is kind of like an in between episode. To me, and it's not bad at all. Like I do like this episode, but it's like the one episode that like it's it's the episode I usually skip because it doesn't really add much, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess sort of. I only know it in the context of these thir- first three episodes, but it doesn't really like. Yeah, it's just sort of a, a self-contained. It's very self-contained. Yeah. <laughs> it feels very self-contained. All right. Well, let's get into it. <clears throat> Headhunters is the third episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on June 30th, 2012. 
It was written by Ari Wallington and Alex Hirsch, and it was directed by John Aoshima. Some extra information for you. In this episode, Deputy Durland makes his vocal debut. He's voiced by Keith Ferguson, whose other works include Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends as Blue, the current run of DuckTales as Glomgold, and he does Han Solo voices for a variety of parodies, from Robot Chicken to the Lego Movie. The voices of the wax figures are John Oliver as Sherlock Holmes, Greg Ellis as William Shakespeare, and Coolio and Larry King voice their own wax figures. This episode is more than likely a parody of the Twilight Zone episode, The New Exhibit, in which a man, devoted to a closed-down wax museum, stores the wax figures of famous mass murderers in his home, despite the strange and violent accidents that keep happening to his friends and family in the process. The axe in this episode belongs to Wax Lizzie Borden. The real Lizzie Borden is infamous for allegedly murdering her parents with an axe. Gave him 40 wax. And the and the next day he gave him 41, right? Gave his, her father 41? One to grow on. Yeah, something like that. In the original version of this episode, the tattooed man Mabel talks to in the club where she's doing the cootie catcher had a tattoo on his right arm that read STAB. Due to Disney censorships, however, in later releases of this episode, it had been changed to bats. And I remember that. I remember watching the original episode, and I was like, ha, his arm says stab. But then when I was watching Disney+, Plus, I was like, oh, it says bats. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense, because it's over a knife. When Dipper cuts the top half of Groucho Marx, Marx remarks that there's nothing in his hand. The real-life Marx always smoked big Corona cigars, and for comedic purposes, he always had his own style of carrying them in his hand. Due to the ban of showing cigars and cigarettes on television, especially in children's television, the hand of the wax marks in this episode was left empty, but still in the position as if he was actually holding a cigar. Alex Hirsch said in the commentary for this episode that he wrote the end credit jokes simply to see if Larry King would say, Llamas are nature's greatest warriors. And finally, so you can purchase Dipper's Journal number 3 on Amazon and it has like pages and stuff inside it. But the printed journal, when you buy it, actually goes into more detail about certain episodes, and it actually went into more details about what happened after this episode. So according to Dipper's journal, he and Mabel had finished disposing of the wax figures, and Mabel had turned some of them into lumpy crayons. They were eating sandwiches when Dipper heard Wax Larry King whispering about something in the vents. So Dipper went into the vents to investigate. He attempted to capture the creature, but it was unsuccessful. When he woke up the next morning, he heard Mabel talking to it nonchalantly. Dipper then theorized that the best way to capture Wax Larry King was to let it interview you. That's pretty <laughs> much all that Larry King does. Pretty much. You know who else likes to interview people? Larry you. King. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're kind of like backwards, backwards segue to our Yoda segment from our other podcast. So, all right, Chris, well, let's let's open this. Let's talk about the story, the themes, and the characters. Like, what what was your favorite part of the episode? My favorite thing actually is the tattoos on the the bouncer. I know. I no. like that he labeled his head and his chin. That's hilarious. I like that. I like the idea of just somebody labeling their body parts for their tattoos. So that that was the thing that tickled me most about this. The, I mean, real having real Larry King, and I I knew it was a real Larry King because his voice is just distinctive. If yeah. it was somebody doing a Larry King impression, it would have probably been a little weirder and stuff. This was you could tell that they were like, oh my god, let's see if we can just feed lines to Larry King, you know? And it was probably they were probably just loving 
having these recordings of Larry King. I mean, that's that's actually one of my notes. Like, this early in the show, like, your third episode, to have, like, such big names like Coolio and Larry King. Like, I was actually really surprised to see that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, John Oliver, too, because John Oliver is Sherlock Holmes. But then I was like, well, this is pre-Last Week Tonight, John Oliver. This was, like, John Oliver still on The Daily Show. John Oliver? He was probably, like, a friend of theirs from, like, writers, you know, writers groups and stuff like that. But, you know, they probably just... Probably all those guys work under the net of Disney, and they probably ran into him at some point and said, "Hey, and hey, you know, get paid to just say a few lines in there." And I knew it had to be the real Coolio, even though there was nothing really like distinguishing about his he his lines were just like two words, you know, "What's up with that?" or something like that. I love the "What's up, Holmes?" Yeah, but <laughs> but, but they were so like kind of lame Coolio lines that I thought there was they only could have gotten away with it if actually coolio himself said those lines so yeah. i was just like coolio and larry king have got to be have got to be real yeah actually like the entire bar scene is my favorite because like my, i love mabel sitting with the cootie catcher she's like oh, your wife will be beautiful and the guy's like yes <laughs> and then and he's like but will she love me i love the entire bar scene because it's you know, you see so many takes of bar scenes and stuff, but they, they kind of just make a parody of the whole thing. Like the guy laying on the floor and Mabel's like, he's just resting. Just <laughs> you resting. Yeah. Just resting. And then you have Manly Dan, like fighting the arm wrestling machine and Tyler runs up going, get him, get him. <laughs> so the whole thing was so good. The bar scene is definitely probably my favorite part of this episode. I just like little D. De- I just noticed that the weather vane on top of their house spells out what, and that's kind of cool. It's full of little gags in the background, like the little kid kicking the wax Nixon statue or wax figure in the nuts. Yeah. This is definitely a show where, like, repeated viewing is also really good because you just... There's always something in every time I watch Gravity Falls, I'm like, oh, I I totally missed that the first 12 times I've seen it. Yeah, well, animation, they can whip in a thousand little things going on in the background that you can never pick. And and, and it makes it clear just from the credits of the show that it's that kind of show. So Mm -hmm. the only thing that the only thing and this is something this is not a slide on the show because this is just something with me and cartoons in general is I've always favored like the Peanuts version of cartoon voices where you get kids and i know you know there's just not many kid voice actors so like so dipper and his sister they always sound like adults to me dipper especially sounds like an, an adult person doing a kid voice it's always a hurdle i have to get over with with kids kids cartoons yeah, it's. Yeah. I had a friend whose uh, wife is a is a voice actor. And she does cartoons and video games and stuff. And you know, she was running through her gamut of stuff. And she's like, "Well, here's how you do kids' voices." And she was doing all the kids' voices, and they sound just like kids' voices on cartoons. But they never really sound like real kids' voices to me. They're trained adult actors, and they they have to be they 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 have to speak very clearly and and in a manner for television and stuff like that but i always like charlie brown style cartoons where they got a kid and they you could tell they said had a piece of paper in front of them said all right do your lines yeah (laughs) whatever does happen though like because you always run the risk of time because in uh steven universe when they originally casted Zach Callison to voice Steven, he was actually, like, around the same age as Steven. I think he was, like, a year or two older. Uh-huh. But the, That's but the thing dangerous. Is, is that, 
And, and that's exactly what happened. There was a Comic-Con where somebody had asked the question about how in later seasons, Steven's voice sounded much older. And Zach's answer was, well, let me tell you, puberty happens. Can, yeah. and, he, and so they had to kind of age Steven because his voice actor was aging. But it actually worked really naturally in the show because the show was like, what, like seven seasons? And it went. It was seven seasons over, over like eight years or something. So uh, it actually really worked really well because as the season, as the show progressed and the actor got older, they just aged the character naturally until you get Steven Universe Future and he's like 17 years old and like Zach Callison is I think I think he's like 19 right now or 20, so he's still within the age of like being really he's 22. He's still within the age of doing that. So it's it's it really does run the risk because you have this like window of you have to yeah. do it during this time. Yeah, whereas if you have an adult, I mean, the adult actors who've been doing The Simpsons kids have been doing it for almost 30 years, 30 years now. And and they're always going to hit it the same. They're in their their adult voices. So I I understand why they have adults as kids. And it's probably easier to record with adults. They can get in and get it done more. But it always, it's just sort of like the uncanny valley for me. Cartoons a lot of times. You're gonna really, really love Jagas and Jedi when we eventually do Freemaker Adventures because the main character is a kid and they actually voiced uh, had like got a kid to do his voice. That's why I liked South Park when they got the the real little kid to be Ike. Yeah, you'll you'll like Freemaker's Adventures when we get there in Jagas and Jedi. What one what day? You, <laughs> one day. <laughs> one <laughs> yeah, day. Really, right? What what? So what do you think of the wax figures? Oh, I love wax figures. For, and wax figure stories, you know, like the wax museum movies and 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 that that particular Twilight Zone episode, you know, they're they're they are like clowns. They're particularly creepy in the in the style of the cartoon show. It doesn't capture the creepiness of real. I don't know if you've ever seen real wax figures. I I I have in pictures. I have no urge to see a real life in, wax in figure. real life. They're really weird because they're really well, like mostly mostly they're really well done. But at the same time, they're not real. But they they work hard on the skin tone and stuff. So they, they have they almost look like dead people to me. Like when you go to like they an look open, embalmed. Yes. Yeah, they look like like <laughs> when you go to an open casket funeral. Like they like wax figures to me look like standing dead people. And I'm just like, no, I don't like it. Except they're set up, yeah, in a scene from their movie or whatever. You know, it's always it's always creepy. And and I I think we've d- established that this house is going to be a TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be yeah we've got a hidden room in the be- you know you see it from the outside it's just a little shack but we've already had a giant like the fact that you could have a room that big and be like oh we didn't notice that there was this other room in the house it's like oh I think you would notice that you would you would notice that lack of space but. So I, I think we're going to have basically the houses that shack is going to be a TARDIS. There might be 10 secret rooms in there by the time we're done. That's actually my question for you in the speculation section <laughs> is about the house. Oh, shit. It's Let fine. Get it's ahead fine. of us there. It's totally fun. It's totally fun. Yeah, I love the wax figures, too. I, I love I'm, I'm a fan of John Oliver, and I never realized that John Oliver was the voice of Sherlock Holmes. And then as I was watching the episode today, I was like, yeah, that's John Oliver, but that's early John Oliver. <laughs> so I really I really enjoyed it. And not just like the little jokes, too, like the what's up, Holmes, and then like William Shakespeare doing the, the limerick and Mabel was like, nope. Nope. <laughs> so. <laughs> And then you have Wax Lizzie Borden, like, with her axe. So, 
And just all the like the little the little jokes like, Oh, wax John Wilkes booth, you melted Abe Lincoln. <laughs> Did you have any thoughts about Dan um and his love of his own wax figure? No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. For a character like Stan. Or definitely for a character like Stan, so well, let's talk about Stan. I wanted to, cause I, I wanted to talk about Stan and Mabel. Something I really like about them is how very much they're mirrors to each other. They're very, very similar character types. But I like how they portray them because they're really good supports for each other as well. Because Stan, on the surface, seems like he's not a really good caregiver and he's not a really good guardian. But like, it, it's clear that he really wants to support Mabel in in her craziness and her activities. And, like, even when he was just like, oh, man, we got to think of the person who really matters here, Wax Stan. And she just looks at him and he's like, I'm just kidding, you two. And they just have that very, like, similar chaotic energy together. And I like how they kind of push each other because he's there clearly to support her. But Mabel is also able to push Stan to make him a better guardian. He, he's starting to think more about the kids, where I feel in the first episodes he's started kind of, like, thinking more about himself and, like, himself in comparison to the kids but in this there is a kind of a nice shift where he's less like okay well, well let me let me think about them a little bit more too it's kind of like a nice little subtle shift compared this to might last ease week. into the predictions a little bit but i think he's sort of easing the kids into <laughs> whatever whatever's going on there that he knows about so yeah. he probably he probably has to just sort of ease them into it and play the part of doofy old their doofy uncle and until he can get them get them engaged in it fully yeah and oh quick question what do you think of duck detective duck detective is pretty funny the tv shows of this show is probably one of my top favorite things about gravity Falls. i just wondered how much the line don't patronize me like went over with little kids watching i was watching and i'm like oh man this is a cartoon with a tv show inside the cartoon with an adult with an adult vocabulary joke in subtitles <laughs> And again, Disney Plus, like, really messed up all the subtitles, because I was watching it, and I was like, Detective doesn't have subtitles, and I know there's stuff here. <laughs> it really bothers me what Disney Plus is doing with their subtitles, but I understand why. I, I, I'm just so excited for you to see all the different television shows that Gravity Falls has within their television show. <laughs> I think with a lot of shows like this, one of the common dynamics to have is you have a character like Dipper, who's... If he was an adult show, he might be more, like, neurotic or something. But there's a character who's more questioning of their surroundings and questioning of motivations. And it's a lot of fun to surround those characters by other characters who just go with the flow. They're just going along with what anything, no matter what. They're not questioning anything. They just sort of, like, go along with it. And that seems to be sort of the dynamic in this show to varying degrees. But pretty much everybody but... But Dipper sort of just, like, accepts things as they go and sort of gets into the spirit of it, no matter how weird it is. And he's the one trying to figure it out. Actually, that's, that's I, I have a note similar to that. And it was about the whole, like, city kids versus the country town. And we're starting to see Dipper and Mabel, like, because for one, we actually got to see more of Gravity Falls, like the actual town. Because really, we've been at the Mystery Shack and we went to the lake. But this is our first time really seeing more of the actual town. Deputy Durland and Sheriff Blubbs were all like, oh, look at these city kids, city kids, city boy. And, and I like that we're seeing them kind of becoming more part of the world, but it's not an easy transition because they are not from this town. So they're not like really there yet and they are still kind of seen as these outsiders 
But over the course of the show, we see they get more and more integrated into the world. But I, I feel like it is easier for Mabel because she very much is the go with the flow person, while Dipper is the one that's really trying to investigate the weirdness. He's and more every- inside his own head, basically. Yeah, and like Mabel is very m- much more in tune with like I think the people of the town, and I think she does integrate much easier than Dipper does, who is always. Oh yeah, well I yeah I yeah. think she's just more like I I think wherever you put her, she would be into the people of the town. You know, just people in general. She seems to be just that like. Un- she's sort of unconditional in her enthusiasm for people. <laughs> do, do you like Deputy Durland and Sheriff Blubs? I like that they have this in this, this small Pacific Northwest town. They have a black sheriff <laughs> who's as much of a hick as anybody else in the town. So that's always yeah. fun. I, I love Blubs and, and Durland. Like, they're two of my favorites. They're, they're always eating. They're always eating. They're always, like, they're always doing silly things and you know, they do, like, silly cop things. Like, they take, like, the silly cop tropes, and then they, like, make it, like, Gravity Falls-style silly cop tropes. So, it's it's always really fun. But they're never, like, mean or spiteful, you know? Yeah, that's, no. That's awesome. I, I, I mean, I think they're borrowing... Uh, it's before... It's way before your time, but there was a TV show called Northern Exposure. I think they, they, they grabbed a lot of the feel from Northern Exposure for this, which was a, a Pacific Northwest town, very rural... It was a town full of hicks, but they were more sophisticated than you would give hicks credit for normally. And everybody was a quirky weirdo, too. Very similar. But the only thing, other thing I really had was I wanted to talk a little bit about Dipper. I like Dipper's story in this one because he has both an, like, an internal and an external story that's going on. And half of this is like Dipper proving to himself that he's actually smart and he's a good detective because everyone's like, oh, you're so cute, you're adorable, you sneeze like a kitten. And he had to very, like, he had to prove to himself that he could do this. But he was also doing it to help Mabel and Stan, which is the external side of the story, because he saw how upset that his sister and his uncle was. And he really wanted to help solve Wax Stan's quote-unquote murder because not only to help prove himself as a detective, but he also wanted to help his family too. So I, I like that kind of dual story that... Dipper was is still trying to kind of find his voice, especially in this town where his sister is just part of the town and he is not. But I, I like these kind of stories, and even though he still gets made fun of by Wax Sherlock Holmes as Wax yep. Sherlock Holmes is dying, he still won, and he still saved the day, and he was still able to prove to Blurbs and Durland that he solved the case, and he did it. You sneeze like a kitten is also a very John Oliver sort of line. <laughs> you sneeze like a kitten. <laughs> it very, very much is. John Oliver <laughs> on his show uses a lot of kitten humor. so He does, he does. Apropos. Even though this is pre-last week tonight, John Oliver, by two years. But... Yeah, but his sense of humor is going to be the same. You know, he's a comedy yeah. writer and he's writing comedy for this show. You know, he, he likes kittens. It's obvious John Oliver likes kittens. Yeah, very He may not have so. ri- written that line, but it was a very John Oliver line. Did you have anything else for the the story, the themes, or the characters? No, not really. I think I got it all. All right. So, the speculation and theory corner for Chris. Well, do you have any new speculation or theories before I ask you the question? There wasn't really much deep that I could uh, glom out of this one. To, this isn't, like, story stuff, but I, I predict we haven't seen the last of Larry King. Okay. 
he's loose and on the loose. And since recording is very easy, it would have been very easy for them when they had Larry King to just have him record a shitload of lines <laughs> for future uses because he's just a disembodied head. So I'm 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 saying if I was making this show. I would have put some Larry King headlines headlines in the in the hopper when I had Larry King. So I don't think we've seen the last of the head of Larry King. And I'm, now I'm going to be on the lookout for more s- real celebrity voices in, in this from now on. Lines from a head, a headline. Oh! <laughs> I got jokes. All right, well, then I'm going to ask you my question that I, I kind of thought... So the Mystery Shack, of course, had the hidden room with the wax figure, and we know that there's a room behind the vending machine. Do you think that there are other rooms? And oh yeah, you, it's and, it's gonna be a TARDIS, man. There there, and, there will be the rooms will not be based on the architecture of the shack. They'll be based on the needs of the stories of of the of the show. So what do you speculate? What could be in those other rooms? What do you think those plots are about? Speculate wildly, my friend. Oh, jeez. There, I, I, <laughs> I gotta say, there's gotta be a room. So it's probably the basement room that has. He's probably got a TV camera room somewhere where he can spy around. I have a picture in my head of a storyline where something happens in the town and that's how they find out about the room downstairs because he'll have to take that. I almost I I keep almost saying Grunkle Rex. Grunkle Stan's going to have to take him down to the room and go, look, you know, they're turning into bat creatures down at the diner and at the blah, 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 blah. blah. And they're like, what is this room? He's like, never mind. We've got to deal with this. It's going to be something like that. It's hard to say. It's hard to say what what kind of stuff in there there's there's probably going to be a tunnel that leads somewhere <laughs> to caves there's probably some caves mixed in in here underground and stuff yeah probably whatever you can think of we haven't been in the attic yet the attic we, probably has we, some we stuff we do uh dipper and mabel's rooms are in the attic oh, oh okay well then never mind yeah, yeah. That, their bedrooms are in the attic so we have yeah, them there so so you know what yeah i i have a feeling as as the story needs it there'll be a ridiculous number of hidden things in the in the building <laughs> that's all <awful. laughs> all right so now for part three the cypher corner um, in connections to previous episodes, I will be coming back to this episode because there's connections to later episodes in this one. So I won't say anything about that because I can't spoil Chris. Next week, we're really going to start seeing the previous episodes start connecting to each other. But this week is still a lot of the buildup. But of course, with every episode of Gravity Falls, there is a cryptogram at the end of this episode after the credits. And once it's decoded, the cryptogram reads... He's still in the vent. Yep, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But that's all I had for Headhunters. Like like I said, like I like this episode, but there's just not a lot to it. We really start getting into more of the meat of the show next week, and I'm very excited. Next week is probably going to be slightly longer because I have a lot to say about next week's episode. <laughs> or I guess the next, the next episode, because I keep forgetting this is not a weekly podcast. <laughs> so, the next bi-weekly episode the next bi-weekly episode all right chris what are your final thoughts about headhunters i'm about with you it was just it was fine but it wasn't uh it wasn't spectacular it felt just like a nice little self-contained story um it's like i said it's it's my least favorite of the three i guess but that's didn't mean i didn't like it it was just sort of 
it was more of the same, but the, I, I don't think the wax figures were as fun as the sea monster or the uh, the gnomes, especially not the gnomes. The gnomes yeah. are still my favorite so far. I, I do like the action sequence of them fighting the wax figures. I also just love Mabel's line of, I put my blood, sweat, and other fluids into this. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, oh. She's like, yeah. <laughs> But I, I like the action sequence of like once they figured out that they need to use like hot things to fight the the wax figures and they turn the candle the electric candlesticks into like swords. Swords. I, I will say like when Dipper is fighting like Sherlock Holmes on top of the roof and they knock the S off the mystery shack. One of my favorite things about this is things continue. So like the S is not going to be magically back up there in the next episode. It's down and once it's down, it's part of the scenery. Like that's where it lives now. That's where it is. Yeah. Alex Hirsch was very well aware of that because there's another episode where, tiny spoiler, but it's in the opening credits, so it's not really a spoiler. At one point, Mabel gets a pet pig, and the the pig's in the opening credits, so it's not it's not a, really a spoiler. But the, like Alex Hirsch was like, yeah, Mabel has a pig. This pig's not magically gone. The pig's now part of the show. It's going to be here for the rest of the show. And Chris, the pig is voiced by Dee Bradley Baker, the voice oh, of the clones geez. from Clone Wars. <laughs> See, like I remember, it was a big deal back in the day. They had the the Tick cartoon, yeah. And there was an episode early on where he was fighting Chairface, or you know, the, the guy who was a living chair, and his he was going to write his name with a laser on the moon, and they defeated him, but he had already gotten C H A C H A, you know, Cha, <laughs> mm-hmm. on the moon. So from that point on in the cartoon series, when it was night, if you saw the moon, it said cha on it, no matter what, you know, yeah. from that point on. But they didn't used to do that. That was one of the first examples of them. And that was a big deal. Everybody's like, I can't believe they kept the moon with the cha on it. It's like, well, it's got cha on it. You can't just take it off. <laughs> yeah. And so I love that about the show. So like now the S is always going to be down. So mm-hmm. I just love it. But for my final thoughts, I feel the same way. Like it's it's a fine episode. It's it's okay. It's nice and it's a good little romp. I like seeing more of the town. I like seeing Sheriff Blurbs and uh Sheriff Blubs and Deputy Durland and getting to know them more. I like the family dynamic continuing to grow. I like seeing Stan starting to open up more to the kids. And I the the wax figures just have a lot of fun jokes. Like there's just so many fun little jokes and yeah, it's really it's just a fun little episode. You know, nothing crazy. So <laughs> So something cool also, we got our first bit of listener feedback. This is coming from my friend Kate, one of our wonderful patrons. And she gave us feedback for both the episodes Taurus Trap and Legend of the Gobblewonker. So here we go. From Kate for Taurus Trapped. Great first episode. Thank you. I agree, it's a solid pilot, but ultimately weaker than the future episodes, which is fine. It took a minute for Mabel to grow on me as well. But also, I don't know if there are any truly static characters in Gravity Falls, so Mabel gets a good character arc while also not fundamentally changing as a character. Uh, I'm trying to be vague because I don't know who's going to see this, mostly Chris. (laughs) She's being vague for you, Chris. Thank you. And then for Taurus Trap, she also wrote, One thought about 90s cartoons. While I can think of exceptions, like Batman the Animated Series or Gargoyles, for example... Many of the cartoons in the 90s could be enjoyed by both adults and children, were actually pretty heavy on adult content, just not in the way kids would catch, which if it makes if that makes sense. 
Rocco's Modern Life in Ren and Stippy, or even Animaniacs, it wasn't that the content was for all ages. It's that it was a kid's show, but then you would throw in a reference to characters playing Spank the Monkey. Not that there's anything wrong with works for kids that contain jokes or references that are only for jokes that only adults will get, but it's different. Of course, Rocco, Modern Life, Ridden, Stimpy, and Animaniacs, etc. weren't heavy, plot-driven shows, which would allow for more space for them to be more random jokes about kids uh, that kids w- won't get, but still, it's refre- it's interesting. Yeah, Ren and Stimpy was almost all adult. <laughs> Ren so- and Stimpy, I, I, I mean, I was watching Ren and Stimpy when it came out as an adult, and we were just like in awe that there was children's cartoons that were treading this ground. I, <laughs> it was I disturbing. Remember, <laughs> I remember being a kid when Ren and Stimpy came out, and the animation creeped me out, so I never watched it. And then I remember there was a point where my sister was watching it, but my parents wouldn't let me watch it with her. So I, I kind of cued in that there was something in the show that wasn't for me. And then same thing with Rocco's Modern Life. Like, I, the animation never really grabbed me. So I, I remember, like, watching bits and pieces of it. But then Animaniacs was something I did watch. But I definitely didn't get all the adult jokes until I was older. And I was just it, like, Animaniacs oh, wow. had had the most adult joke of all the like scandalous adult jokes that that like I remember coming home from work and we were watching Animaniacs in the afternoon. I can't remember what the exact context was, but they used the word fingerprints with as oh, a yeah. as as a pun for and then Prince shows up and is sort of like Hurr. so they made it for fingerprints. So they made a fingerprints joke <laughs> in Animaniacs. <laughs> I remember that because I think I think the character's name is Dot. Like she was like holding him bridal style, and she was like, "No, thank you." <laughs> yeah, I exactly. remember that. The uh, the rest of Kate's feedback comes from Legend of the Gobble Anchor, and Kate wrote another good episode. I might have to go back and rewatch Gravity Falls. It's been so long since I watched the early episodes, and I never did a, a full rewatch after completing the series. Hick Lex Luthor is the best description. And then she added, Lazy Susan, one eye. Illuminati confirmed. Ah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the feedback, Kate. And if you guys want to do feedback, still trying to figure out the, how we're going to do this, but we will figure it out and we'll make sure to read your feedback on the show in some way. I like the Illuminati spin on Lazy Susan. <laughs> I know she would never expect her. Where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at tutufreaks.com. That's my podcast network. We're hoping I do J Guys and Jedi. We are also on uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. If you just go and search Two True Freaks on Twitter, you'll find us and you'll find the Two True Freaks podcast page on Facebook and the Two True Freaks Cantina, our hangout spot. And if you search for the God Bombs Castrate Me, you can see me as a puppeteer and a screamo music video <laughs> it's 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 fun to watch chris as a puppet it's the music is horrible yeah i i i i did i i i i i, I answered <laughs> an ad as a puppeteer so <laughs> i had no control over the music i just worked with what they handed to me the the whole the point of you just going ah, 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 yeah. yeah that tells me everything so it's I, it's, I, it's not my, my my musical genre if you're into screamo music maybe the god bombs are the band for you though the director of the video liked 
the song enough to approach the band and say, I want to make a video for you guys and I have an idea for it. So he's a fan <laughs> of that kind of music. So yeah. I guess they're pretty good for what they do. <laughs> I don't know. It's not my favorite either. <laughs> anyway, of course, you can find me at geekygirlexperience.com. This, is, of course, is the Patreon exclusive podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. Like Chris said, you can also find us at Guys and Jedi, part of the Two True Freaks Network. I'm on Twitter at Hope Molinax. I also run the Guys and Jedi Twitter, which you can find at Guys and Jedi. And I also write fan fiction over on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia. Oh, Chris, I'm so happy for you to see the next episode. I think you're gonna. Get... I even remember. I even remember what the next episode is because you've been talking about it. And it's the time traveling pig, right? Nope. No. That's episode nine. Oh, this I one... thought you said that was episode four. Oh, okay. So I have no idea what it's coming, but I just know it's good then. It is. I will give you the title next time on Hoping Chris Watch Cartoons. We're gonna watch the hand that rocks the Mabel. Oh, whoa. <laughs> any any wild speculations of what it might be about well i've seen the hand that rocks a cradle and it's a psycho babysitter story <laughs> <laughs> so I, maybe it's gonna be an evil doll maybe you know Let's you're see. not too far off <laughs> yeah you know i mean mabel's not gonna have a real baby or is she? I don't know. I don't know. Your cackles are your cackles may be giving away too much. Alright guys, we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> hey guys, did you know that you were actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind the scene content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website, Geeky Girl Experience, with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes, as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening, I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye!